0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. So if everybody could stand with me as we uh, honor God's uh, word. Uh, The scripture reading for today is going to be Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesians, Ephesus and our faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love He predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, with which he favored us in the beloved. In him we have redemption, through his blood the forgiveness of our wrongdoing, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us, in all wisdom and insight, he made, us, he made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure which He sent forth in Him, regarding His plan of the fullness of the times, to bring all things together in Christ, things in the earth, heavens and, have, and things on the earth. In Him we also have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him, who works all things in accordance with the plan of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in the Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were seated in him with the Holy Spirit of the promise, who is the first installment of our inheritance In regard to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. You may be seated.
1: Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for what you're going to do in and through our time together. God, I thank you for what you're going to do today. I thank you for how you are going to use the authority of your word to change us, me included. God, I ask that you will will do the thing that only you are capable of doing, and that is that you will change lives, that you will encourage hearts, that you will grant liberty to those who feel like they're in bondage, that if there's anyone in this room who does not yet know you because they do not yet know your son. God, that you will give that person ears to hear, that you would give that person a heart that would receive the truth of your word. God, that you will grant repentance, that you will that you would grant life. God, I ask that you would, on behalf of my brothers and sisters in this room and my friends in this room and those watching the live stream that you will do what you are only able to do, like what you alone are able to do, and that is change us and mold us and, and help us see your glory and your splendor and who you are in a way that not only leaves us undone, but changes us forever. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. What I'm going to do today is, uh, really all I want to do today is, I, I just want you to see, if you're a Christian, I just want you to see who you are in Christ, we're going to dive deep into uh, these 14 verses in the next the the following three weeks. It will, will, I'll save time for that. Um, I'm not going to say anything that's going to be really controversial or uh, or anything that should should bother you. Uh, I just want you to see just from face value what what is being said in these first 14 verses. My encouragement to you is if you have a digital device uh, and that's how you access your Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 1 right now. If you, if you have a physical Bible, then turn open to Ephesians chapter 1 right now. If you don't have a Bible and you don't have a digital device, there are Bibles you know, underneath the seat in front of you. Um, and uh, just grab one of those. Uh, it, it, that way you can access... You know, Ephesians chapter 1. There are things in, there are truths in these 14 verses I want you to see. And I don't want you just to take my words for the, for, 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 for whatever. I want you to see them for yourself. I want you to see them for yourself. And, and so as you're turning to Ephesians chapter 1, and you're looking it up in your, your, on your phone or whatever, there are apps that you can download to, to, to uh, read the Bible I'm reading from the New American Standard uh, 2020 edition. It doesn't matter what version of the Bible you have. um, Just turn open there. You'll you'll see see what I'm talking about. Uh, Before we even dive into this, I just want to set this up for you. I I want to set up Ephesians for you. I've been been wanting to preach on this epistle since the first day I arrived as your pastor. And I, I just didn't think we were ready for it. I just didn't feel like the Lord was leading uh, you know, during, during the years leading up to now, but I, I really believe that, that now is the time, that God uh, that, there were, that we're ready for this. We're ready for Ephesians. We're ready for, as a church family to jump into Ephesians. I said the previous weeks, I said, you know, if, uh, if you want to understand what it means to be a Christian, you need to understand what it means to be the, the church. If you want to understand what it means to be a, the church, you need to understand what it means to be a Christian. Ephesians answers both, both of those questions for us. And, uh, and so I just want to set it up for you. I, I don't know how much you know about Ephesus, but Ephesus was a, was a messed up city. It was a scary place. You had one of the seven wonders of the world, the Temple of Artemis, also known as the Temple of Diana. Here's a picture of it. Uh, it's not what it looks like today. <laughs> But uh, you can see the remnants of it. It was um, it was the place where Diana or Artemis was worshipped, and it, in the earliest forms of, of uh, Artemis, the worship of Artemis, uh, there was human sacrifices that were made. Uh, how many of you you know are DC fans? Okay, Wonder Woman. Right, so there's the connection. Um, so, just in case you're wondering, it's not a good connection, but for those of you who like superheroes, there you go. You're welcome. All right, so, so the Temple of Artemis or the Temple of Diana was 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 significant. I mean, it was it was the center of of much of what happened in Ephesus. There were about 127 giant pillars that were believed to have been given as gifts by 127 different kings. Uh, it housed many priests and priestesses uh, who operated under a castrated male who functioned as the high priest. The male priests were, charged, uh, were in charge of offering the sacrifices to, to Diana. Uh, the female priests or priestesses were unmarried women given the sole responsibility to be channels of worship to Diana through I think most of the kids are out of here, through sexual intercourse. It was a dark place. And this is where the church was planted. Uh, there were shops set up to, to where their, their you know, shop owners, their income was dependent upon the temple of Diana. It is said that uh, when, when people would come to the temple to worship, which involved being with the temple priestess or priest, they would be filled with the spirits. To see, As we get through Ephesians, you're going to hear some overtones here. They would be filled with the spirits. What kind of spirits? Demonic. Demonic spirits. Timothy, who, if, you, if you're familiar with the New Testament, you have 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, was uh, uh, Paul's protege, the apostle Paul's protege. Paul mentored this man. Timothy wound up becoming a pastor in Ephesus. Timothy died as a pastor in Ephesus. Ephesus, a violent death by a mob that was angry with him for protesting against the parade that they would have uh, from the Temple of Diana. And then, you know, so, so there's, there's Ephesus for you. you. You can read about, like, how the gospel uh, p- came into Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. It's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I'll just share a, a little bit with you. You know, Paul, in his missionary journey... Happened to be walking through Ephesus, brought the gospel to Ephesus. People uh, began believing this Jesus in this Jesus. They gave their lives to Jesus, and you know what that did? It did what the gospel normally does uh, and has a history of doing in every place that it that it affects. It changed people's lives. we were told that as as mo- in, Acts chapter 19, verse 18. You don't have to go there. I'll just read it for you. I just want you to get the, the, feel the weight of this. Also, when those had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their practices. remember, most of these, these people worshiped Diana. Many of them worshiped Diana. And when they believed in Jesus, they kept coming to hear more about Jesus, and when they were coming to hear more about Jesus, they were confessing and disclosing their practices. They were confessing their sins before one another and to one another. And in verse 19, And many of those who practiced magic, so you had that going on in Ephesus, practiced magic, brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone, and they added up the price of the books and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. That is a lot of money. Just Google it, like what what the equivalent was in Paul's day. Um, It is a ridiculous amount of money. And so, so the shop owners and, and people in the town who depended upon the commerce of, of, of these trinkets that they would sell and these magic books that they would sell that was linked to, to the Temple of Diana, uh, they were losing money. And so the whole city was in an uproar over it. That's how the gospel came to Ephesus. And then think about Paul. So if you don't know anything about Paul, he, he was also known as Saul. He was, a, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, he described himself. He, he was convinced that the way, that is Christianity, that the Christian faith, the message of, uh, of, of Christians was dangerous to, 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 to Jews. And so he did everything he could to silence Christians. He was a persecutor of the church. You can read about uh, one such individual by the name of stephen who was just sold out for jesus he was a deacon in in the church he was set apart to, to to help people but he he was so passionate for jesus and and he shared the gospel and and just wouldn't shut up and people got angry with him and and so these jewish leaders drug him outside the city and they were going to inflict capital punishment on him death by stoning we're not talking about little pebbles we're talking about big rocks Literally, Stephen's brains were, were bashed to the ground. They, before they did that, though, they laid their jackets or their cloaks before a guy by the name of Saul, who gave approval. He watched Stephen get his head beaten with rocks, and he gave approval. Stephen said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing before he died. So then Paul, or Saul, formerly Saul, decided he needed to get authority to arrest more Christians and, if necessary, kill more Christians. And he was doing that. And on his way to, do, to, to arrest more Christians, while on the Damascus Road, he met God. He met Jesus in a very personal way. He got knocked off his horse. He was blinded. And, and, um, and Jesus said to him, you know, Saul, and he said, who are you? And Paul said, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So Saul had a close encounter with Jesus in a very real right and he wound up giving his faith to, he wound up trusting and believing in jesus and uh and god used him in his lifetime to turn the western world upside down that's a little background on paul and that's really like that's really all i i want to say um like paul in philippians chapter 3 he said this of himself. He said, If anyone else thinks he is confident in the flesh, I have more reason. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, to the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of, of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. And then I met Jesus. That's what he says in Philippians chapter 3. I met Jesus, and all of those pursuits, I had my, the equivalent of a PhD in Jewish uh, antiquities and studies and, and the law, and all of that is, is dung, literally dung, manure compared to knowing Jesus Christ. He, he wrote in the very opening chapter of this, uh, this letter that he wrote to his dear Son in the faith, Timothy, as Timothy was pastoring in Ephesus, years later, after the gospel had come to Ephesus, Paul said of himself, he said this, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners. And he didn't stop there. He said, among whom I am foremost. And so, that's the backdrop for Ephesians. Now, what do these 14 verses say to you and say to me? I read a book by Fred Sanders, The Deep Things of God, and he commented, there's a whole chapter on these 14 verses, and he commented, he said about the gospel, he said, the gospel, the gospel so outstrips our created measurements that it, can, that it can be measured only against something as immense as God Himself, And he continues. There is one place in Scripture where this sheer greatness of the gospel is most profusely described the blessing with which Paul opens the epistle to the Ephesians. This, these 14 verses are one complete sentence. Paul's making a point here. And I just want to highlight every point <laughs> that he lists here like 12 of them. Don't worry, I'm keeping to my New Year's resolution. It's not going to be a two-hour sermon. Um, It was never a a two-hour sermon. But anyway. And I just want you to see this. This is why I want you to have your Bibles open. And I'm just going to list them. I'm going to share them. I'll, 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 and then we'll, we'll dive deeper next week into, into verses 3 through 6. And then the week after that, verses 7 through uh, 12. And then the week after that, verses 13 through 14. And, and just to, to plumb the depths of this, because it's so rich. And I want you to see everything here. But, but I, just, I, want you to see, I just want to skim the surface. And I want you to see this. What does it mean to be a Christian? Paul answers that for us in these first 14 verses. Look at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. I was a persecutor of the church, and God's will found me. That's, that's, that's what he's saying here. Like Now that you know the backdrop behind Paul's life and what was going on in Ephesus before the gospel came to Ephesus, Paul says from the very beginning, I was saved by the will of God. If you're a Christian, you are saved by the will of God and if you if 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 you struggle with that here's the reality our will is to run from god god's will is to pursue sinners that's good news it doesn't matter where you fall on the whole spectrum of i will even name it you know what i'm talking about so uh, the christian is saved by the will of god he's saved by the will of god like Think about this. Like, the stoning of Stephen and his part in imprisoning Christians was not too much for the grace of God to overcome. I mean, you think you're far from God? I, don't, I mean, most of you, I know kind of where you're at you know, spiritually, but some of you are maybe thinking, man, I'm so far from God. You think you're far from God? Like, think about Paul. So God found me. He found me and he changed me. The Christian is saved by the will of God. Second, the, the Christian has the grace and peace of God. That's verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You Ephesian church, you Ephesian Christians were so far from God. You, 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 sold, you, you prostituted yourselves out uh, to, 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 to Diana or Artemis or whatever you want to call that, that female demon. Like you, 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 you prostituted yourself out to that God. You worshipped that God. You, you bowed before that God. You had, God wasn't even on your radar, and he came and he found you. And now, now, now you have the peace and you have the grace of God. Christian, you have the peace and the grace of God. God's peace and his grace belongs to you now. You, you've been reconciled to him. The Bible says you were once an alien, well, once you were an alien of God. The Bible also says, if you read Romans chapter 5, you were an enemy of God, and now you're a friend of God. And now you have his peace and you have his grace. The Christian has the grace and peace of God. Uh, Just one chapter over, chapter (laughs) 2, because Paul Paul dives dives a little deeper here and and helps us understand, well, what is it? what was I before? Paul's like, well, let me remind you. Chapter 2, verse 1, And you were dead in your offenses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all previously lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest. That goes against the grain of the world. Like you You mean people born in this world are not children of god not according to paul and neither were the ephesian christians before and brothers and sisters me included neither were you we were all enemies with god and yet god pursued us it was his will that found us now we have his grace and we have his peace but that's not the only thing (laughs) the christian has the blessing of god that's verse three blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who has blessed us well how have you blessed us god with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in christ i'm going to talk about that next week i mean this is just, this is rich like he's blessed us in in every possible way like we were dead in our offenses in our sins and he verse of chapter 2 verse 4 said he made us alive together in christ jesus he did it um because of what Christ accomplished, the Christian has received the grace and peace of God, and now we have received the blessing of God. We're blessed by him, blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Let that settle in your heart for a little bit. And then the next thing that we discover in these verses is in verse 4. The Christian is saved by God. Here's a big one. The Christian is saved by God for what? Well, Look at this, verse 4. Just as he chose you and him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. You know why you're a Christian? You know why, you know why you've been saved? You know why God found you? You, 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 know, you want to know why? Because <laughs> for the purpose of holiness and, and, and to be blameless before him. Not just positionally before him, but practically. God saved you for a purpose, and one of those purposes includes he is molding and shaping you. I've said this a bunch of times, I'll say it again. If you're a genuine Christian, you should be growing more and more disgusted with your own sin. You're not going to stop sinning entirely. But, the, but, but if, you, if you are a genuine Christian, you will grow disgusted with your sin. If you're running to your sin, and you don't give a rip about what God thinks, you're not a Christian. Read First John. <laughs> That's another uncomfortable one. Um, the Christian has, been, has the blessing of God. And Paul, like, he, remember what Paul said. He said, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm, I'm the, like, Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Like, I, I'm, I'm messed up. Read Romans chapter 7. Paul says, why do I do the things I don't want to do? And why do I keep doing the things that I, that I, I don't want to do? Like, why, why can't I get this straight? Like, that's the, that's the experience of the Christian life. But, the evidence that you've been born again, the evidence that you have been saved by the grace of God is that you're disgusted with your sin. Anybody frustrated with their own sin? I am. The next thing that we learn from this passage is that, uh, again, the, not only are we saved to be holy and blameless, but the Christian is made a son and a daughter of God like we, we learn in first John chapter 3 verses 7 through 10 if you're taking notes that anyone who does not belong to God the bible says is a child of the devil. We just saw in Ephesians chapter 2 that if you're not if you're dead in in your sins then you are a child of wrath. But let this settle on your hearts and let this encourage you if you're a Christian God, God has made you a son. He has made you a daughter. You are adopted into his kingdom, into his family. Think about what that means. Christian, if you're a Christian, all the rights and privileges that belong to a firstborn son, regardless of your gender, is yours in Christ. It's yours in Christ. And like we're told in these verses, that it was God's pleasure, it was his delight to do that in your life. He has made you a son. He has made you a daughter. And, and what's yours is the riches of the glory of his inheritance. That's what we're told in verse 18 of chapter 1. And the next thing in verse 6, we see, that we see another thing that, uh, that's true of the Christian. If you're a Christian, you're favored by God. Now, this isn't like, don't think, don't, I, I, was, I, I was not an athlete in school, in, in high school. And and so my peers knew it, and so like, you, you know, on the re, in recess, when like you're gonna play like kickball or something, and then you line up and you have two captains, and they would pick. You, you know who was probably one of the, one of the last people picked me, right? <laughs> Some of you are raising your hand. I was the last person picked too. Well, that's not what go, that's not what's going on here. God doesn't looking. God's not looking at your life. He wasn't looking at your life and saying, Wow, I need that person on my team. Like I. I need Keith Miller on my team, or he wasn't looking at Ryan and saying, I need Ryan on my team, or I need this person on my team, or that has nothing to do with it. He just said, I'm going to redeem that person. That person is a mess. That person is, like, their sin is ugly. Uh, They are so far from me. I'm going to find that person and I'm going, to, I'm going to redeem that person through my son. That's what I'm going to do. I mean, that's, that's the, first, the 14 verses here in Ephesians. The Christian is favored by God. Like, that's good news. Uh, the, there's a version of the Bible called the Net Bible. And it's, it's known for being a little more on the literal side. But the way that it's uh, you know, worded, if we can go to that slide. I think, oh, I don't have it. Um, just trust me, <laughs> uh, literally, to the praise of the glory of his grace that he has freely bestowed on us in his dearly loved son. Yo, why? <laughs> Verse 6. So, yo, why did he do it? Why did he, why did he do this thing in my life? Why, why does he favor me? Why, why? Like, to the praise of the glory of his grace that he has freely bestowed on us in his dearly loved son. That's why. Another way to say it is because. It's a shorter version of that verse. Why? Why did he do it? Because. That's why. And, and come in the, the weeks to follow, and we're going to dive deep into this and, and unpack this. But just know this now, that you, Christian, you are favored by God. It doesn't matter what people have said to you, what people think about you, what the world thinks about you, what your boss thinks about you, what your past has been uh, or or is. You are favored. If you're a Christian, if you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are favored by God. And what matters is what he thinks. And what he thinks is when he looks at you, he says, that's my son. That's my daughter. I treasure that, that child of mine. And all the rights and privileges that belong to my son and my daughter is, is that person's now. They're mine. The, ther- the next thing in verse 7 that we discover is the Christian is forgiven by God. <laughs> I love the line. Ryan shared, he said, hey, what do you think about this? I, I, I found this in the deep recesses of, a, of an Episcopalian hymnal. And uh, I said, I love it. This is, this is really good. But think about those, word, those lines, those words that we sang. Lord, I did not freely choose you till by grace you set me free. For my heart would still refuse had your love not chosen me. Christian is forgiven by God. I, I've said this a bunch of times. I'll continue to say it. I, 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 the Beatitudes uh, in the Sermon on the Mount is my go-to passage now when I'm sharing the gospel with churched people. Um, is that when we come to the cross, we come to the cross with empty hands. Like there, there's nothing you bring. You, you've got to come with empty hands. There's nothing that you bring to God's table of righteousness. But when you come, you also have to come mourning over your sin, grieving over your sin, because it offends the very heart of a holy God. And as you come, not only do you come with empty hands and grieving over your sin, but you come willing to lay down your pride. I can't fix myself. I need God. I need a righteousness outside of myself. I need Jesus. The Christian is forgiven by God. You're forgiven by, uh, for your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. I'm going to say this in two weeks, and it's not an overstatement. I know sometimes I'm known for my overstatements, but uh, <laughs> some of you are laughing, yep. Um, but this is, I, f- I feel this to my core, and I believe I can back it up with Scripture. Any doctrine, any religion, any teaching, that's, that devalues Jesus and what he did on the cross is from the pit of hell. <laughs> right? So that sets every cult apart, that sets everything apart. Like it, it, anything that says, you, yeah, Jesus is fine, but now you have to do this in order to be saved is demonic. It's demonic. It's demonic. And so we're going to, I'm going to show you something at the end of the sermon that, uh, that may shock you. And so, but what you need to know now is that you are forgiven by God. And then the next thing in verse eight is the Christian is rich in the grace of God. Verse eight says, which he lavished on us. So in him, verse seven, you've redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of your our wrongdoings, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. I love that word, lavished. What's lavished? It is unending. It is overwhelming. He overwhelmed us with his grace in all wisdom and insight. He did that. You are rich in the grace of God if you're a Christian. You have all the grace that you will ever need. All of it. We have redemption through his blood according to the riches of his grace. And that's been lavished upon the Christian. The next thing is that the Christian has been permitted to know God. That's verse 9. That's not Keith Miller. That's verse 9. Verse 9. He made known to us. It doesn't say Keith discovered him or discovered his wisdom or discovered, you know, found that something in his heart that just launched towards, you know, understanding and knowing God. No, it says that, it says that he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure with which he set forth in him. In who? In Jesus. That the Christian is permitted to know God. Here, here's, if you're like, man, I, did he just say what I think he said? Yes. Second um, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says this, that the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they will not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Period. I might need, we might need to say, let's read this together because we might need to hear ourselves say this. Ready? The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they will not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Let's go to the next verse. Let's read this together. Ready? A natural person, that is a sinner, by the way. (laughs) That's my word. (laughs) Uh, Okay, sorry, I messed you all up. (laughs) Here we go. A natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You're permitted to know God. Now, I know there's, a very, there's all kinds of different thoughts and views represented in this room and, 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 and what, goes all, what goes into that, but again, let the word of God impose its authority upon your heart. At the very least, what it's saying is, I was blind and now I see. How does a, per, how does a person come to know the will of God? Only through Jesus, to the good pleasure of God. The next one is that is that the the Christian has a future with God. Think about that. The one that you sinned against, the one that you stood against, the one that you were blinded to, the one before, the Bible says, the one before heaven and earth has no place to hide and recoils before his infinite holiness, the the one before, to whom the angels sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who has, who was, and who is, and who is to come. You are now known by that God and favored by him. Isn't that awesome? Like, think about that. See, here's the thing. We need to understand, if you're a Christian, you need to understand who you are in Christ. Like, some of you are just stuck because you, you don't really know who you are in Jesus. Like, you're, you're stuck in shame and, and, uh, and paralyzed by grief over, over your past sins. And you need to hear who you are in Christ. Like, this is who you are in Christ. So if, it's, if you're stuck in sin, repent of it and move forward. You, are, you have a future with the God of all creation. I, like Jesus even said, in John chapter 10, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them. Listen, no one will snatch them out of whose hand? Out of, yeah. Nobody will snatch them out of my hand. And then, my Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to what? Snatch them out of the Father's hand. You are secure as a Christian. Like, you, are, you, you have a future with God, and this is the next point. You, are, you, you have security. The Christian has the security of God. Like, I give them eternal life, Jesus said, and they will never perish. And here's how Jesus knows this. He said, this is how you can know that you'll never perish. No one will snatch you out of my hand. Oh, in case you're wondering, um, and my father who has given you to me, he said, nobody, he's greater than everything. Like nobody will snatch him out of my father's hand. You're secure. We'll, we'll camp more on that when we get to verse 13, but I just want, that, I just want you to hear that. And then uh, verse 14, this is the, this is the last one. The, the Christian is treasured by God. Look at verse 14, it says, hey, who is a first installment of our inheritance in regard to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Uh, There are specific words that are used here in verse 14. Uh, So verse 13, In him uh, you also, after listening to the message of truth, that's the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, verse 14, who is a first installment of our inheritance, Meaning, the Holy Spirit, that every Christian in this room, if you're a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God's deposit upon you, that you belong to him. And nobody can break that seal, except for God, and only God alone. Um, so you are sealed. You are sealed. And look at the, he goes on, he says, in regard to the redemption of God's own possession. Well, what does that mean? First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I'll have it on the screen here. Let's read this together. This is, this is what it's talking about. Ready? Here we go. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's who you were. You were in darkness, and now you've been called into his marvelous light. You are his possession. Those words are taken right from Exodus chapter 19. You are God's treasured possession. If you're a Christian, you are God's treasured possession. You are God's treasured possession. He treasures you. He treasures you. All your scars and your brokenness and your messed upness, that's not a word, but like, like all of that stuff that's true of you In light of all that, he treasures you. He treasures you, Christian. He treasures you. Literally, in in the Greek, these verses, verses 13 through 14, can be worded this way. In Jesus, you also, having heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, having also believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the initial installment of our inheritance, until the redemption of his adopted children, who were purchased to be his treasured possession to the praise of his glory. Amen? Amen. I mean, that's that's good stuff. My mentor would say something to the line of, that will preach. (laughs) That will preach. So who are you in Christ? You are saved by the will of God. You have the grace and peace of God. You have the blessing of God. You are redeemed by, uh, to be holy and blameless before God. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. You are favored by God. You are forgiven by God. You are rich in the grace of God. You are now, you are now known um, by God, and you know God. You have a future with God. You have the security of God. You are treasured by God. Amen? I'm going to have Ryan come up and uh, as, as he prepares to lead us in this final song. I just uh, Here's what I want you to see this is the thing that may blow your mind. Notice notice two things, notice two things. You know, There's another book I read where the author said the Trinity is the gospel. Who's involved in your salvation? I'm gonna, I'm gonna unpack this in the weeks to come. I just want you to see this. Verses 3 through 6, God the Father. Verses 7 through through 12, God the Son. Verses 13 through 14, God the Spirit. Now, Here are two questions for you i'm going to answer them for you how did god do this in verse 14 he tells us 10 times he tells us 10 times in him in christ through christ 10 times and this is that it's not just in these 14 verses that he 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 uses this phrase it's a phrase a favorite phrase of the apostle paul you want to know why You've been born again. You want to know why you've been saved? It's because of Christ. It's in him. It's through him. Ten times. Ten times he he makes that point in just these 14 verses. And you want to know why he did this? You want to know why he, he, he saved you? Well, he gives us he he lists it for three times. He tells us three times at the end of each of those statements. At the end of the statement of God's role or the Father's role in your salvation. At the end of the statement of the Son's role in your salvation. And at at the end of the statement of the Spirit's role in your salvation, there is a phrase, and it is this: "To the praise of His glory, to the praise of His glory, to the praise of His glory." God redeemed you to the praise of his glory. He's doing a work in you to the praise of his glory. He's not going to give up on you to the praise of his glory. And one day, one day you'll stand before him and you'll hear God, not as judge, but as father, say, come, come to me, son, come to me, daughter. Look what I've done with your life. I've done this in your life to the praise of my glory. And that is the greatest news you could ever hear. Amen? Let's stand and let's sing this song together. Thank you for listening
0: to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.